Welcome to episode 98 of The Real Photo Show, sponsored by the School of Visual Arts MFA Photo, Video, and Related Media Program, chaired by Charles Traub. My guest today is Ivan McClellan, but before we get to that, I just want to share with you some problems I had uh, and the sleepless nights that I had because I, I thought I was going to lose all of my digital data and all of my digital photographs for the past few years uh, because I had I had set up a system that I thought was really good. Uh, you know, a four-drive RAID system that was backed up to a two-drive RAID system that was backed up to a single-disc system that I would sometimes take to work to have off-site or just have locked up somewhere uh, in the house. Um, but all of that is meaningless if you have a computer that is destroying your hard drives. So when the, the first RAID system went, I plugged in the second RAID system to make sure I had a solid backup and then that system started to flip out and I thought, all right, well, I guess I could have one bad drive in each system. Uh, so then I went to look at my third drive, which was really stupid at that point. Uh, just to make sure there was all my information on there. Or actually, it was really to see when the last time I backed up to that drive was. And then I had trouble with that drive. And suddenly, I had three separate drives, four, five, six, seven disks that I was having trouble accessing. Now, I could still see them. Uh, they would come and go. They would uh, disconnect and reconnect. But I was really uh, freaking out for a while there. So then I thought, well, let me get a new computer. So I bought a new computer and I bought a new six terabyte drive as a, an additional backup. And I plugged that drive in and it started freaking out. Uh, but the other drive started working on the new computer. So <laughs> the new drive was bad. The old drives were okay. And the new computer was good and the old computer was bad. <laughs> so. It was a, a hectic few days. I'm actually almost all the way back. I'm just waiting on a replacement for that six terabyte drive. But I do have all my data on two separate RAID systems again because I was able to rebuild and sort of uh, steady those drives and they are working, although I keep them unplugged because I'm so nervous about it. So I guess the answer is cloud storage. Um, and if, if you have a better idea for me, feel free to uh, email me at mail at realphotoshow.com or message me on Instagram uh, and uh, let me know what you're doing. I have an Amazon Prime account and uh, I have unlimited photo storage, so I'm thinking about just using that. Uh, another friend of mine suggested Dropbox just because she's so familiar with it and uh, it's very uh, easy to access on any platform. So you can probably hear it in my voice. Just talking about it is still making me very anxious. And of course, it reminds me uh, when digital photography started to overtake film photography. I went to a seminar on archival storage practices. And I might have this wrong, but I believe it was someone from the Smithsonian who said, if you want to make sure your photographs are going to be around in 100 years, shoot film. So yes, film is not dead people. You just might have the last laugh. 
All right, so my guest again is Ivan McClellan, who is primarily a user experience designer, and we talk about how he went from acting to user experience and then also to photography. The work he's primarily known for is Eight Seconds, which he calls a tribute to the American cowboy, and he has a very expansive definition of what the American cowboy is. Uh, Ivan talks very openly about his upbringing and the adversity he faced both inside and outside of his family, as well as the psychological effects of that trauma and also um, the healing that he's gone through, including speaking about his own recovery. We have a fantastic conversation about mental health, race, and his work. I should also thank Rory Doyle and Nicole Crane from Everyday Rural America for helping me find Ivan. So thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. So we were uh, both running late today. I just... I made the mistake of uh, driving in, which is something I normally don't do. I usually yeah. take the bus and train, but I'm actually mm -hmm. staying staying in New York uh, a little longer today. Stanley Greenberg, the photographer, is doing a talk about his latest book at the, actually at the SVA Theater, which is on the other side of town. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I felt like my cab driver was trying to make me late. Like we went through like <laughs> Times Square. I was like, look, oh, man, Times I, don't, Square. I don't need to see the city. That's I know, right. I know what's going on. It's not a sightseeing tour. <laughs> yeah. So what brings you out uh, this way, out to New York? So I'm here for my real job uh, currently, which is sort of sort of a hustle of mine. They, they'll fly me out for a client pitch. That's why I'm wearing a suit. Oh, um, very nice. It's so a lovely color shirt, thank by the you. way. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and so I'll come out, you know, they'll fly me somewhere to go meet with a client or go pitch to a client. And then I use that free travel to go do photo stuff. Oh, who's they? Who's flying um, you out? My company, AKQA. Uh, that's oh, a plug. Is, is that eight seconds as well? Is that eight seconds is my personal project. Oh. Uh, AKQA is a like one of the world's biggest digital agencies. So oh, okay, they fund my photo projects, and that's, that's nice. That's how I actually get paid. Yeah, so. <laughs> you know, I usually uh, save that question for uh, the end. That, that's yep. a you know, how do you uh, how do you make a living? And so yep, yep. that's it. I, um, is your background in graphic design? Uh, not really. I don't know. I don't know where you really want to start as Anywhere. far as like background. <laughs> so I'll oh, I'm going. I'm going to go deep. You're going to go all the way back. <laughs> that's right. What's your first memory of your mother? Uh, <laughs> I don't want to go that <laughs> far, right. but we'll save that for another podcast. Okay. Um, so I'll go back like post high school. Yeah. I moved here. I moved to the city when I was 17. Oh. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon now, but uh, you I weren't born there though. You weren't raised there. No, I was born in Kansas, uh, born in Kansas City, and then, you know, figured out a way out of there. I wasn't a very good student, but uh. um, I was a very good actor. And uh, got into theater in high school and was able to like turn that into a scholarship. So I came here for acting conservatory. Oh, wow. And uh, did that for about six years in the city and then got burned out on that. That's when I got into like graphic design, digital design stuff. Oh, OK. Uh, so, yeah, that's just how I've like funded my real passions for the last like 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's nice because it's not like completely different. I'm not like a nurse or something like that. Like mm -hmm. it's close and proximal and like, 
photography bleeds over into it from time to time. So um, you're still doing creative things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Doing creative things. But just like the end point is like an ad, you know, it's right. like, oh, yeah, I'm really passionate. I'm staying up till 4 a.m. <laughs> and at the end of it is the Doritos, you know, <laughs> so, so it's, it's a little bit of a rub. But, you know, sure. Whatever. It's it's a living. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So what, then uh, so after dance, you start getting into design and all. What was your sort of first foray into that? Did you go back to school? Was it a job? Um, you know, I really like there was just a period after I, well, I said dance. It was theater. It was acting. Yeah. Acting, theatrical sorry, acting. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I went through that whole career. I did a bunch of touring. I did some Shakespeare, did a lot of musical theater. I did some children's theater. Like so it, it just was like a big range of 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 my career and then I don't know it was just like one day I just like I was down on Orchard Street and I was getting in a cab to um to go to an audition and I was just like nah I'm good and uh (laughs) I called my mom and she got me a plane ticket so you mean because it was the the offers you were getting were just so obscure or I was trying to like really dive into that exact moment Mm because it was like it was a turning point yeah i haven't acted since you know and that was like 2005 i don't i don't 100 percent know what happened but i was just like i can go to this audition for a heineken commercial i can do the heineken commercial i can get probably fifty thousand dollars in royalties over a few years if it runs but it's a Heineken commercial and mm. I don't really care that much. Oh, okay. So it was, it was just really like that. I was just like, oh, I could go to this audition. I've worked really hard for this. This is a big deal. You know, as an actor, that is a huge deal. That can feed you for a long time. But I just, just all of a sudden didn't care. Mm. This is really weird because it was like I started acting when I'm, you know, when I'm 14. Wow. And I, that had been like the whole world for me up to that point. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I was just like, no, I was home in like three days. Wow. And sort of... <laughs> back in Kansas. Yeah, back in Kansas. And I found myself at my grandma's house where I'd grown up. You know, I ended up like selling cars. And then I ended up selling furniture and was just sort of frustrated yeah. with, with where I was in life. Um Compared to my peers, I was like way behind because I, you well, know, what were your peers doing? <laughs> I don't know. You know, they were just like more established in their business. They, oh. they graduated from like four year school. Oh, not acting peers. No, oh, my okay. acting peers were still right. all in the shit. But mm-hmm. like, but like, oh, can I cuss? I didn't know. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all my acting peers are still like, you know, taking improv classes and, mm-hmm. you know, struggling, sleeping on couches and stuff like that. But like my, my peers in high school where, where they went in a different direction and, and they, and they went to colleges and stuff like by the time they were 24 they were already getting jobs and and, and they were already making money yeah and i'm like living at home with my grandma i'm like driving her car like picking her up to take her to church and then going to work and so all that having been said um that frustration led me to just sit in her basement and sort of self-educate you know i took like linda classes like googled how to do stuff yeah um just sort of experimented a lot and then um Ended up like the classes were in, in graphic design and photography, things like that. It, media. Was, it was mostly just like mostly what I was doing at the time was flash, which is a oh, big yeah. thing at the time. Sure. Uh, which doesn't exist now. <laughs> but it was like coming out of acting. It was like this like medium that was like a combination of graphic design, a combination of programming, but plus like video and music all in one space. So yeah. I was like, you know, this is like everything. This is the ultimate medium. You know, this is like. This is like um, 
all of my acting stuff plus all of my graphic interests sort of conflated into it's, one space. It's that new media idea, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It turns out it was like garbage media because like <laughs> you would make the most beautiful thing and then it would take like an hour to load. And right. <laughs> and like nobody was feeling it. But, you know, <laughs> it's I don't a, know. It's surprising how many videos are still flash based on, on websites. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I don't load flash anymore and you always get that message. You shouldn't. Uh, no. <laughs> Nobody should. Nobody should. It's, <laughs> it's humiliating. Right. Um, so I know, I know you said you didn't want to go like too deep in the past, but you, yeah. you said you were raised by your grandmother? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was raised by my grandma, my mom. Oh, okay. um, We all lived in the same house. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom's role was sort of more like day to day, just like discipline and you know, her big thing was just like, don't end up like me. You know? so, yeah. So uh, that, that's a common parent theme, I think. Yeah. Yeah. OK, well, that makes me feel better. Yeah. Was, so, you know, she'd had a tough time. She had two kids by the time she was 18 mm. and, you know, I just struggled to, to find a job. I don't I don't want to put all her, all her dirt on a podcast. No, of but course not. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, she she just had a tough time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, yeah. man, I was 24 and like transitioning out of acting. What if I would have had a, you know, a six and an eight year old at that point? Right. Uh, poor them. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, so her big thing was just like, hey, I've learned all these lessons. Like, like, don't be like me. And uh, and you I, took that to heart. I picked it up. Yeah. 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 I mean, I never got in any trouble. I was like, I was mm-hmm. like pretty solid. And, you know, we grew up in a rough neighborhood and there were a lot of gangs and a lot of like kind of negative influences. And I just like never fell into that. That's good. The yeah. other part of that is that like my grandma went to church five days a week and, Took you, um, did, and did you go weekly then? With I did. Her? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, like, uh, Wednesday we went to Bible study. Thursday was choir practice. We had a Friday night service. Then we went to, to Sunday service all day. You know, yeah, you Sunday were kept busy. Yep. <laughs> Sunday we show up at eight for Sunday school. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a, Pentecostal church, sort of off of the Southern Baptist tradition, then uh, the service would last for like three or four hours, just depending on sure. how long the Holy Spirit wanted to be there. <laughs> and then, you know, you would go to lunch at like uh, Furs or it, Shoney's. It's a real community it idea, is. right? Yep. It's not just show up on Sunday no. for an hour and go home. No, right? no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's like be here all yeah. day. We wouldn't get out of there until like 9 p.m. And then wow. after that, we would go to dinner with the church. And yeah. sometimes we have shut-ins where we actually slept there. So wow. that was that was just such a huge like part of our life. That yeah. that was another factor that just sort of like kept me out of trouble. And, and is that where your friends were then too? To be honest, like with my mom's like massive rigidity and mm. fear of trouble, I didn't really have any close yeah. friends. <laughs> like I didn't have anybody come into my house until I was like a senior in high school, really. Yeah. And I never went to anybody's your, house. Your mom was being super careful with like, you. Like she was like, don't yeah. leave the front yard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she, was like, <laughs> she was like hardcore. Right. So, um, you know, we would sneak out and go around the corner and play football and stuff like yeah. that. But yeah, it, it was, it was pretty rigid. Yeah. It was yeah. pretty rigid. We were all lone wolves. So, all right. So, <laughs> so I interrupted you a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you're, you were, uh, you were studying with lynda.com and yeah. doing that. And then what, you know, what was, what was kind of like your first job or your first real? So I got a couple of Project. just like freelance things. I, a lot of my actor friends, once they found out I, I could make websites, were like, oh. oh, can you make me a promotional website? Uh-huh. I had a friend, Kelly Marcus, who was uh, big into like event promotions. And she ran a, a like film music uh, festival in Tribeca called The Fall Collection. This was like 2006 or something like that. And it was like part of a like, 
post 9-11 revitalization program in lower Manhattan. And, uh, and so I made the website for that and all the collateral. So I started to build a little bit of a little portfolio. And then like, literally, like, I don't know, I was working at this furniture store, and I just like hated it. I wasn't very good at it. Some days I was very good if I was in a good mood. Some days I, I was terrible at it. So like, I could come through and sell $20,000 worth of TVs. Then the next day I'd sell like nothing. Uh, so it was up and down. One of those down days, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I got in my car and drove to H&R Block, which uh, has their corporate headquarters in Kansas City. And I just like asked to speak to their marketing director. And she met me. And I was like, I need a job. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, just sort of hustled my way in there. I didn't really know how to do much. But she was like, heck, it's almost tax season. You know, we're staffing up for our email marketing team. And uh, she she gave me a job. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so I just like sat in that chair. And so until they figured out I didn't know what I was doing, I was smart enough to know that like now I have a job. And so that's that's exactly what I need to get another one. And right on the day that I got laid off, eventually, I got another job offer at, mm. a, at a digital agency. And so I went and did that. And, you know, they were a lot more patient. So this is like 2008, 2009? This is exactly yeah. 2008. Mm. This was February. Barack Obama had just been elected. And it was just like a wonderful time for black <laughs> men because it was all of a sudden like, hey, a black guy's like a leader, you know? So they yeah. were like, yeah, well, he's just like whatever. This guy's like the future, you know? So, you know, I had a boss who just like invested time in me and, 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 and showed me the ropes and let nice. me grow. So I no longer really had to hustle so much. Mm-hmm. I got to actually like be credible. And, and you kept building up that resume in that portfolio. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Just kept building up the resume. I think one of the fascinating things about my job and one of the things that's really carried through in all of my careers from like uh, acting to to design, you know, I focus mostly on well, my job is called user experience. So I focus mostly on research. And now through photography is just like curiosity. I just really like at my day job, like, you know, we'll work for a trucking company and I'll learn everything about trucking. Um, we just did a project with the U.S. national soccer team. I didn't know nothing about soccer when we went in there. Now I know I like know everything. I, love, <laughs> I like, like all the language, like uh-huh. boots and pitch. And like I know what like nutmegging is and like <laughs> and like all of this like insider stuff because yeah, yeah. like. I was like, oh, crap, this is a whole culture that I don't know nothing about. And so, like, the same thing when I was an actor. It was like you had to really, like, dive into your character. Mm-hmm. You had to really understand, like, where they're coming from, their environment, who's around them. And you really had to empathize with those folks. And then that's all, of, like, the same stuff in photography. So I think there's that, like, that, like, curiosity, that, like, interrogation is just, like, sort of that thread. Yeah, well, the you know? the work that where I got to know you through is, is of the African-American cowboys, right. And cowgirls and the bull riding and all the events and Mm -hmm. all. And, and you, you manage all of that through your personal work and business, which is eight seconds. And is eight seconds, the amount of time you'd be on a a Bronco or a bull or something. Yep, Yep, exactly. You got to be on a bull for eight seconds with one hand on the, on the, on the bull rope and one hand in the air. Okay. And if you, if you stand up for eight seconds, you get a qualifying score. All right. Um, And, and then, so we'll, we want to get into that, but did you just then teach yourself photography as well? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had a lot of like, I didn't know my dad growing up. I never met the guy. So all of them and my mom was like had aspirations to do like modeling and, and, and fashion. And so like oh. there were always photographers around. And so I just like kind of associated like photography with like what men do. Right. 
that was just like a, a, a expression of masculinity. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of weird. Um, <laughs> right. And so when I got older, you know, I couldn't like really wait to get my hands on a camera. Like once a camera fell in my hand, it was kind of natural. Obviously, I had years and years and years of learning and I, and I found myself way behind. But, you know, I don't know. It, it was more than just like trained to do photography. It was like photography is just like almost this like cultural, like familial kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it was, it was just a practice that like my uncle did and all my mom's friends. And um, were they all men? Yeah. Everybody oh, okay. was a man that, had, that, that, that did photography. I didn't know any female photographers. Yeah. So. I don't know, rather than like sports or anything else, I was like, photography, men do photography, <laughs> men act, you know, <laughs> right? So maybe, which is an odd uh, connection, right? Maybe I not, mean, maybe not like your stereotypical, like what you think men do. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're working, you're, does, uh, which comes first, the, um, this personal work or the the work you do now with uh, I forgot the name of the company. I'm sorry. A A K Q A K Q. They're the they're the owner of the company's initials, and it's really kind of a stupid name. <laughs> God, I'm gonna get fired. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, everybody knows it's yeah, stupid. That's right. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so what what comes first? The that that biz the getting hired there or doing this work on the the Cowboys or together? Like as far as sequence or priority? The the idea that you would want to do personal photography. Like oh. what? Yeah, yeah. Eight seconds came much later mm. in in the photography like stuff. I mean, eight seconds. I just created that brand this year, really. Yeah, I noticed yeah. you've transitioned everything from a different website that yeah. doesn't exist anymore. Yep. Okay, yeah. that was just your name, basically. Yeah, it was just me right. as a as a sort of contractor for a long time doing. Mm-hmm. I don't know from from like the moment that I was like, hey, my photography is pretty good. I should do something with this. You know, like. I just started like shooting like models. I, you know, I was doing like landscapes, selling them on Getty Images. Uh-huh. Then I was doing like model portfolios. <laughs> Getting, uh, lots of pennies from Getty Images. Exactly. <laughs> I get my $80 check every three months, you know, <laughs> for an image of like a bullseye or something stupid. Right. Um, and then and then I thought I wanted to do fashion. I went into that, did model portfolios, like work with some fashion brands. And then I did weddings, you know, like I was I was I sure. am a pretty good wedding photographer. I'm great at it. Just again, because of that relational piece. And, mm-hmm. and that maybe was one of the most like critical parts of my development as a photographer because that taught me like speed accuracy like learning the moments like human interaction like all of that stuff i'm very proud of of my career as a as a as a wedding photographer That's although i hated it enough to leave it oh, but, okay um <laughs> i see a pattern in your life yeah yeah you got you got about three years and then i and then i'm switching gears That's right. and then um you know leaving that i was just sort of like it was really a Bill Cunningham quote in that documentary that he did where he sure. was like, if somebody's paying you, you know, they, they can tell you what to do. So he's like, never take a check. So I was like, for the next three years, I was like, I'm not taking, I'm not taking any money from anybody. And, um, or you'll do it up to a point where you feel like you're not doing what you want to do anymore. Exactly. Right. I yeah. feel like, I feel like everybody else had kind of shaped my vision as a photographer. And, yeah. and I just had this body of work that was like all over the place. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to really turn it into a hobby. I don't need money, you know, because I got another gig. And um, I started focusing on street photography at that point. Oh, okay. And just like... like Where were you? Were you doing street photography? This is all in Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then, I, you know, I would take my camera whenever I traveled and, and, and shoot, shoot street photography there as well. But 
just like like you just like was like lurking in the shadows like you know <laughs> taking pictures of whatever i could see right no usually not any interaction with people just like you know capturing photos and um again huge learnings there of like you know it came out of like me being in portland and not really loving it i didn't love the environment i didn't think it was very stimulating i didn't feel like i belong there mm. and i was like can i create a beautiful photo wherever i am regardless of like how inspiring I feel, can I pay enough attention and can I sort of compose something out of nothing? And that was part of the challenge. Another one, frankly, is that I am uh, diagnosed bipolar. Oh. And so I'm, I'm diagnosed bipolar. I'm diagnosed with PTSD. And so, you know, working with my therapist, shout out to Ruth Leibowitz. You've changed my life. I love you. <laughs> she, uh, She's in Portland? Yeah, she's in Portland. Yeah. She's she's like incredible. You know, we were just like really focused on like mindfulness and being in the present because like with PTSD, you kind of lapse into into some something from the past and and it's sort of difficult to get out of it. And then coupling that with bipolar, it was just a lot of stuff of of me not being present. Mm. And that causes all kinds of problems. So we were like what what are some activities that I enjoy that I can turn into a daily routine to sort of keep me focused on the now and not like fall back into these like these like mental patterns? And photography was the most critical one. I mean, once we decided that that, that was what I was going to do, I never didn't have my camera. Mm. It was just like around my neck at all times. If I left the house without it, I was just like something's missing. You know, I, I feel I feel too light and. I would go back home a mile if I got too far away without my oh, camera because yeah. I needed it. How did you end up in Portland? Um, crap. I don't know. Like after I got my like after I got my design career like firmly established, I got I like broke up with my girlfriend at the time. I think that's how a lot of people end up in Portland. This is like <laughs> it's just like this lonely hearts place. And uh, <laughs> hi, Portland. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, you know, Portland. Portland has quickly become like this hub of like you know the the thing is like keep Portland weird and like yeah, it's like a little counterculture and a little bit be yourself and right. It's a lot of people that just like didn't belong wherever they were at, yeah, and then yeah. they just like ended up there. So it's like you didn't fit into whatever group and now you can have this collective of people that didn't fit in any group so <laughs> i was attracted to it for that reason but but also like it's a design hub so when you went out there you were still single yep yeah yeah, yeah i was single for a little bit and i met, met my wife uh, very quickly so that but yeah it's yeah. just like there's a ton of design work there you yeah can, you, you can you can do a bunch of stuff there's a ton of opportunity salaries are a lot higher on the west coast like all of that but I didn't know anything about Portland when I moved there, like nothing. Um, I thought it was actually on the coast. I thought it was like, I was like, oh, oh wow. I can go like out to the ocean and tan. I'm in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. And, right. <laughs> you know, right. But, then, but then soon on found the it's, it's nothing like that. I didn't even know that it was like so wet, you know. Right. I didn't know that it had the most cloudy days. Like, <laughs> Did you throw a dart at a map? I mean, what? <laughs> I don't know. There was, there was like an agency there that I oh, thought was okay. really interesting. They yeah. did like, they did like visual thinking. They did like draw to like facilitate workshops and so um you were looking at job opportunities yeah, yeah i was yeah. looking at job opportunities and and how i could learn something new mm-hmm. and um and now you're raising a family out there yep yeah. raising two kids yeah. and, I, and i got my wife and i got my cat blanche and <laughs> you know just built built myself a little a little community of support yeah yeah i i won't i won't I don't want you to dive too much deeper than anything you want to say, but yeah. the trauma was just sort of the personal history of family life. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There was just a ton of things that happened as a kid yeah. that, that were either family or outside of the family stuff in church. 
don't know. It yeah. was, you know, yeah. we grew up in a, in a wild place. I don't think there was anything sp- special about my upbringing. I'll say that none of it was unique or particularly, um, yeah, none of it was unique, but just within the black community, especially where I live, there's just a lot of things that I look at on the back end that I was like, oh, that is abuse, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or, or that is a, that is neglect or that's not normal. Um, when you're in it, you really can't see it that way. But I think a lot of the residue um, affects a lot of black folks. I was just able to kind of get further, far enough away from the culture to sort of see it, mm-hmm. to observe it. And then to have the right people around me to be proactive about doing something. Taking about care it, of yourself. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Where a lot of, a lot of people just don't, they don't, right. they don't acknowledge what they're going through. Um, it plays into this thing about masculinity of like, I'm, I'm bigger than this or I can fix it myself. Don't need help. Yep. Right. And it also plays into the church, you know, growing up in the church, it was just like, Oh, there's nothing wrong with you. You have a demon. You need to pray about it. And he's like, no, you need to go to a therapist and you need to get medication. (laughs) And, And all of these things that are sort of like normalized in like white culture and black culture is still like oh, broadly stigmatized. So I'm like, right, right. I'm like free dude. I'm like, you know, <laughs> I gave a presentation about, about my bipolar disorder at work. Like I I'm, I'm happy to tell anybody mm-hmm. about it because I'm like, you know, this doesn't make me less than this. Not any, this not anything to be ashamed of. Like, like own your past and like do something about it. And so that's great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. 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 I mean, you say that, that nothing unique about your childhood or anything, but it's, it's unique to you, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was my own story, but like, you yeah. know, like you would show up to school and like everybody would have gotten a whooping the night before, right. you know, and you like are showing up comparing your welts mm-hmm. and, and everybody's just sort of like laughing about it. And it's like in a, in a, in a day you might get like, beat by your mom, beat by your grandma, beat by the pastor. You know, we would get like beat by our teachers. They would make you walk around with the paddle all day. Like uh, your nanny would beat you. It's like, God, I got like six whoopings today. Like what's going on? My, my experience is um, <laughs> there's nothing like having kids to bring all that stuff out of you, yeah. like to, to make you live it a little bit in your head. Like, oh, you know, you can, you can, you can see people's reactions to the way you react to things. Sure. And so that's when you really start to realize, uh, maybe I do need a little uh, assistance, right? No, for sure. Yeah. Especially not growing you know, growing up without my dad, uh, as a, as a, as a dad now, I have to make a lot of that up. I gotta yeah. be like, what the, what the fuck does a dad do? Right. What, what's the role of a dad? You know, like how, what is, what's appropriate for a dad? I have no clue. So, you know, I really lean on mentors. I lean on like my father-in-law, like a lot oh, of these good. people that know how to do it better. Hmm. And then, you know, for myself, I'm like, all of my reactions are going to be wrong. Hmm. Every hmm. one of them. And so I always have to like lean on um, things that I've learned from other folks and, and sort of like perform that like a process, you right. know, like, oh, the kid's acting up. My gut reaction, punt them across the room. That's not, that's the, not right the right thing. reaction. <laughs> now I know that's wrong. I'll, right? like, I'll like literally go in my head like, what would Mr. Rogers do? Right. <laughs> I like I say that to myself and then I'll go like, you should probably sit on the floor with them <laughs> and wait, right. <laughs> wait for the time. Let me get my sweater. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let's talk about emotions. Like, And I'm, I'm sure your partner... <laughs> Uh, helps course correct you quite a bit as well. Oh yeah, completely. Yeah, but you know we haven't we haven't run into a lot of problems. I'm proud to say that. Well, you because you're you're playing it out in your mind and yeah. you're working on it. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you know she'll be like, "Hey, that's not the way that I would do things," and sometimes I'm like, "Well, 
that's not the way I would do things either. <laughs> right. You're too soft. And she's like, you're too hard. <laughs> so hopefully we end up with something in the middle. With right. relatively balanced children. <laughs> that's know? right. That's I'm right. Like, I'm like, don't go out the yard. She's like, wander the neighborhood (laughs) self-explore this ain't kansas (laughs) yeah she's like there's no gangs here man we're in portland like run run free (laughs) when someone offers them candy it's actually candy yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's it's, it's all of that man and uh i don't know yeah it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult thing but you know i love it as well I think it makes it even more critical for me to, you know, take care of myself. Right. And right. make sure that I'm coming through the door every day with with something to something to to contribute. Well, the the interesting thing is that you you still always had a drive to succeed. Yeah. Right? You still had the su- the success drive. Yeah. It uh it allowed you to experience things and know when to leave and yeah. know when to quit. Yeah. Um and to move on and and open, you know, get some doors opened up and what when did um when did you start photographing the cowboy culture? Was that on a while you were on a job, while you were doing other work? No, um, it was just like a really random thing. So let me let me. I'm trying to figure out what order to tell the story mm-hmm. in because there's a lot of pieces to it. Yeah, it, no problem. And it problem. goes back and forward through time. So. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> we got time. Yeah, it's a very memento-like thing. Um, so. I got. I had a friend. It was a. It was a photography gig that I was doing for an actress. I was taking her headshots, and there was a. There was a videographer there, Charles Perry, who was doing like B-roll video while we were doing the shoot. It was a very big, complicated shoot. You know, big studio, lighting tech. You know, makeup artist, wardrobe, like all of this stuff. Because it's pretty big actress, and me and Charles just got some rapport and. He just like invited me to go to Oklahoma to a black rodeo. He's like, come to Oklahoma for a black rodeo. Uh, I'm doing a movie. And, you know, he was doing a documentary Mm. about black cowboys. And he was like, uh, tag along with me and just like shoot some behind the scenes photos that I can use for promotion. I was like, sure. Uh, We were were, like drunk at the time. (laughs) I was like, I was like, sure. And didn't talk to him after that. That's just sort of the way that I go is I like. I'll like say I'm going to do something and then I do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think he realized that, that, you know, he, I think he forgot that I, that I had, uh, that he had asked me to do it. And then I show up in the middle of o- Mulgee, Oklahoma in August of 2015. And I'm like, Hey Charles, <laughs> knock it on the door. He's like, why are you here? You <laughs> got, know? You, got your cowboy hat on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, he was like I, I didn't know you were coming. Did not have a cowboy hat on. I had on like khakis and like wingtips, you know, cause this is like, <laughs> like completely out of my depth. Right. It's 105 degrees, you know, like, you know, I, at this point I had done weddings and stuff like that. I'd done some event photography. And so I just like walked into the you know, the rodeo, everybody sort of staged outside of it with their trailers and their horses and uh, just started talking to folks, shooting photos. And, you know, long story short, I mean, I, I, I talked to a bunch of people there. I mean, I just about interviewed everybody that was going to participate in the rodeo before but the rodeo even started. You did go together. or Me and Charles. Yeah. Charles was kind of doing his own thing. He was oh, shooting okay. videos. He was mostly concerned with the event. Oh, okay. And I was mostly concerned with what was around. Oh, the so event. when you showed up, he was already working there. Yeah, he was already oh, working. Okay. And I was like, okay, hi, Charles. Yeah. I'm going to go do my own <laughs> shit. <laughs> and, and went in a completely different direction. And, right. um, as I was talking to people, I realized that like most of them were from Kansas City. A lot oh, wow. of them were from Kansas City. 
And a lot of the writers, a lot of the writers, a lot of the participants in the rodeo, like kind of come down there every year. And as I talked to folks, they were like, uh, they were like, oh, I'm from Kansas City. I was like, I'm from Kansas City. Uh, One of the gateways to me talking to a lot of people is I was wearing a Royals hat. And so people were like, oh, you're from Kansas City? I was like, sure, I'm from Kansas City. And they were like, where are you from in Kansas City? Oh, I'm from Kansas City, Kansas. Where in Kansas City, Kansas? Wyandotte County. Where in Wyandotte County? 57th in Georgia. Oh, we're on 57th in Georgia. And like a lot of the people that I was talking to lived within a quarter mile of my house. Wow. And are there a lot of Royals fans in Oklahoma? <laughs> no, they, they, it's just the people that had traveled down there. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. That's right. And, you know, it came down to like people knew my grandma, like people knew my pastor. And wow, it was this really weird moment of like redefining my own identity. I kind of in my head said I grew up in an urban place. It's like quick city, you know. And after that moment, it just... I don't know. My perception kind of changed a little bit. It seemed a little more country, right? A lot more country. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, we lived on like four acres of land. You know, <laughs> there was a <laughs> massive field behind my house. We would catch fireflies, you know, <laughs> like, we, would, we would, you know, we'd run around in the field and jump over like cow patties. And I would always see people on horses. And like, <laughs> that's so funny that you, you had that as an urban environment in your head. I did. Yeah. yeah. In, my, in my own mind, I was just like, oh, I was the city and, and it wasn't out wall mm. and it was it was literally that exact moment that i like sort of recontextualized my own upbringing and uh i was like grandma used to beat snakes with rakes like oh, <laughs> like yeah. i mean i don't i don't think my grandma would have done that because you know they, the way they grew up they used to eat like turtle oh <laughs> like right. they would uh um, they were hunting locally yeah, yeah, they, yeah you know they had like they lived on farmland they had mm-hmm. fruit trees they had an outhouse you know like so so she knew that they grew up rural. She knew that they grew up farming. But for me, I just really didn't, I just didn't view the world that way. So interesting. Um, yeah, different perception. Yeah. yeah. So moving back to, the, you know, 2015, just sort of shot this rodeo, shot the parade around it. Just like realizing that there were black cowboys in America now mm-hmm. was profound. And a lot of them were like young. A lot of these, a lot, and I've really focused on youth and the work because I think that was the most astonishing thing. Sure, there's like old man, you know, Cole, who has been riding horses his whole life and he learned it from his dad. I mean, that seems believable. But that there's like 16, 19 year old like guys who have sort of taken this culture and conflated it with hip hop and remixed it in their own way was was incredible to me. Yeah. Um, You know, we. I had a conversation with Rory Doyle, which yeah, is how yeah. I came to know you as well. Yeah, which thank yeah. you, Rory. That's yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Rory's like like my guy. Like uh, yeah. he like loves my work. I've never met him, but he's fantastic. I love and, his work as well. You know, we talked a little bit about the history, how it came up from through Mexico and then also through slavery. Yeah. Uh, and then it seems like then nobody kind of knew about it for a while. It seems yeah. like a very hidden subculture. Sure. When, what do, you, do you have any ideas or, or uh, uh, theories about why it seems popular with younger people now? No, not yeah. really. I, I don't think that it's anything that... You think, you think it was always there? I think it was always there. Yeah. I don't think anybody made the choice to, mm-hmm. to live like that. It's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's tough. I don't think... I like, you know, I've thought about it because I've been doing this for like four years now. Of like, I should get myself a horse and some land and some chickens and grow sweet potatoes. And, <laughs> and I'm like, no. Where am I? I'm like, I'm like where am I going to get Postmates? Like, <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> so I, you know this isn't the life for me i don't think anybody chooses to do that and if they do they're kind of crazy <laughs> um 
<laughs> so yeah, it's, it's always been there and these guys are just like learned it. And I think it's one of the questions that I always ask is like, why did you, why do you choose to do this? What like compels you to get on a bull or even like stay in it? Right. I mean, cause you must, yeah. if you, when you grow up in the culture, you have yeah. this choice, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you stay in it or you, you go on and do something else. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's, it's, it's always been there. It's been there since slavery. If you look at it in the context of slavery, you like, of course this makes sense. Mm-hmm. These people will work in the land, right? These folks know the land like no one else mm-hmm. and, and inv- innovators like like george washington carver like you know rotate your car uh, crop so that you know the soil doesn't get depleted and and here are all the enormous things that you can do with the peanut and it's like of course george washington carver knew that of course he was a, a agricultural genius and then if you take it further uh, you look at the agrarian culture that 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 black that Africans lived and 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 their understanding of the land and their and their connection to the land. Uh, they brought that to America, enforced labor, and 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 brought their knowledge and and just that innate ability to work plants, work land, uh, communicate, manipulate animals, all of this. And so an extension of that is like the rodeo, you know, when, when, when that got exposed to them through Mexican culture, they like picked it up immediately and, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It, it, rodeo is this sort of universal expression of rural culture and everybody owns it, you know, kind of equally. Native Americans own it, Mexicans own it. Uh, black folks own it, white people own it. And so it's not so much of like, in my work, it's not, I I try as best I can to never even talk about it being an Mm African-American thing or a black thing. I just sort of leave that out of the narrative because I'm just like, these are American cowboys, right? period. My lens is focused on one part of that culture because I feel like it needs to be elevated. Mm -hmm. But in no way does that mean that like the white cowboy is like trite or irrelevant. Hmm. It's just like the white cowboy is covered. Right. I, I think the uh, the misconception is the our Hollywood idea of cowboy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the misconception. Right. Yeah, man. You look at like, you know, the Marlboro Man or whatever. <laughs> I like the Marlboro Man's never doing nothing. He would he's never just, survive. He's just sitting on a damn horse smoking a cigarette. You know? right. like, yeah. Like, like, what do you do? A like, well-trained horse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, you're never, Probably sedated. Yeah. Like, you're never roping, dude. Right. You're never like bailing hay. Like, get to work, you lazy. <laughs> bastard <laughs> so um you know with your experience in web design you had you do have a beautiful website this eight oh, seconds website is really you, very nice and yeah. you know the 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 way the circles lead you to the stories yeah. is really well done cool. and thank the, you the vertical lines everything about it is really nice to scroll through yeah but when you when you post your stories you're you're really posting like a whole package yeah. right you're doing the whole thing there's the photos and the stories and the narrative mm-hmm. and everything right and yeah. does that come from your sort of marketing experience as well the way I, you post those i think so yeah you yeah. want to package it up you want to use the language to support the imagery i mean i i'm like i don't read the stories you know <laughs> <laughs> i like wrote it and i'm like all right whatever like watching and taking the pictures <laughs> yeah so i'm like you know it, it's designed for you to just like scroll through and enjoy the photos yeah and the photos are structured in a way that they like sort of build a narrative by themselves. Mm-hmm. But for people that want to dive deeper and get context, you know, like I, I started including the stories. I'm not a great writer. It's probably my weakest point as a creative. Well, I think you write like a lot of people who are not writers write. And, yeah. and I mean, that as a compliment, it's, yeah. It's straightforward, yeah. right? You're not trying to do too much. You're providing some information, a little background. Yeah. There's a, some storytelling, but you're not you're not trying to uh, write the next great masterpiece, yeah. right? Yeah, I just think of them as like as like captions, and um, 
you know, that came from me like wanting to get published and mm-hmm. what, what, you know, I started eight seconds because I was like, I spent a lot of time developing. I spent a lot of time uh, not taking money. And then I was just like, the works, the works at the point that I kind of need to get it out there. Some mm. of that came from Roy Doyle, to be honest. Oh yeah, that, sure. That dude is a beast, man. He's ferocious. He and never he was, stops working. He doesn't. And he was, he, he just had his work everywhere. And yeah, I was yeah. just like, man, I want part of this. He you know? exploded. Like, I want in the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, are, are you now uh, also part of Everyday Royal America, right? Uh, yeah. They, yeah, they posting you too. They've yep. definitely published some of my work. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so I was like, you know, if I can start write, writing and like mm-hmm. packaging this stuff up a little bit better, people will really understand like like my take on the culture. So, yeah, I'm doing a lot more of that. Uh, and I have so many stories to tell. Mm-hmm. From Portland, it's a little bit difficult to have your subject matter be black cowboys because mm-hmm. there are very few black people in Portland. <laughs> uh, and that's not that's not an accident. You know, it's very intentional. Like. I've heard that about Portland. Yes. Yeah. Black people couldn't move there right. until like the 1940s. Mm-hmm. And then even then it was, they were like really restricted as to where they could go. And yeah, that's kind of yeah. the dark side of Portland, right? People see it as this kind of, well, from the show Portlandia and all like mm-hmm. kind of utopian society kind yeah. of idea, but yeah. it has a, a deep history of racism. It's got a deep history of racism yeah. that, that still pervades, pervades today, mm-hmm. you know? So, so, you know, I had to kind of expand my scope a little bit and be like, hey, like, let's make it cowboys of color. And let's start to look at like Mexican cowboys in America and let's look at Native American cowboys in America and, you know, just start to elevate the whole thing. Because I was just like, I literally talked to everybody in this space, anybody that I knew that like had a horse or did rodeo or anything. I was like, do you know any black cowboys? And I came up with like zero, mm. like nobody. Um, there's a riding group up in, up in Washington. If anybody knows any black cowboys in Oregon, uh, by the way, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Here, like, let me know. Let's just do an open call. If yeah. you know some black cowboys, <laughs> email I, the show, I'll send it along. Cause I will right. go, go to their house today. But yeah, there's a group up in, up in Seattle that, that are black guys that do like a Buffalo soldier thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, just like sort of, sort of expanding that, making a broader like collection of stories, I think really serves to like keep the website going and, and, and to keep the content a little bit fresh. So are you working on other things in Portland that are a little uh, more accessible? Uh, no, no, this oh, okay. is, this is my primary focus just like this and like street photography, which mm-hmm. like I don't post street photography anywhere Yeah, because I just view it purely as practice. Oh, okay. And and, and I think that kind of helps me continue to go so I don't get in this like place of like critique. Yeah. And I don't get in this place of like, where are my Instagram likes? And, oh, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> why did nobody like this? Yeah, I got 40 <laughs> likes. This picture was so hard to take. I know it's beautiful. Like, I've just sort of gotten out of all that. I'm like, whatever. Right. Like, Instagram is Instagram. Um, yeah. L- likes don't equal success. No, not at all. I know <laughs> no. some, like, some of my favorite photographers have got like 200 followers. And I'm oh, just I know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, this is, this is masterful work. Everybody right. should know this. And then it's like, ah, they don't even use hashtags. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, that's that's going to help me move away from that. So as far as Portland goes, I don't know, like I'll shoot my friends weddings and that's about it. Oh, yeah. You'll yeah. still do a little bit of a commercial. Yeah, I'll do yeah. I'll, I'll do somebody's wedding if, you yeah. know, if it's if it's beautiful and, you know, mm-hmm. and it's in an interesting place and, and they're not going to like hand me a Pinterest board yeah. and be like, hey, we want to jump up in the air with balloons. Or, you know, <laughs> any of that. I'll, I'll still do some of that. I'm not right. I'm not ashamed to take anybody's money. But you said it's the, the racism still per- the the effects of it is still pervasive in Portland. Yeah. Do, What's your experience like then uh, with your family and all? I mean, are you in a neighborhood where that's more of color or? You know, it's tough. Mm. Portland is 
the racism is tricky. It's sneaky. You know, you go to the South and it's like, I don't like you. Get the hell out of here. That's right. We've had those conversations too, where it just seems like people just sort of say it and it's more open. Right. Which I appreciate. Right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I do. Yeah. I could understand that. You know where you stand. You you know, it's really clear. It's really direct. I mean, shit in Kansas, like I've met like straight up racist dudes. Like, you know, there was a guy at the furniture store that I worked at that was like, you know, uh, people shouldn't be allowed to vote unless they own land. And I was like, what oh, the wow. hell are you talking about? You know, so, so you develop this like, this like empathy, you know, mm-hmm. y- you communicate. And I mean, that guy, like I would go to lunch with him. I didn't, I didn't like mind him as a person, despite the fact that he was racist. Mm-hmm. You know, they have kind of like a global racism, but they're like individually like, Oh, but my friend is black, so I, you know yeah. I, I can't be that way. So right, you know I just viewed it as this opportunity to start to influence him. It's and, like and people have certain politics and yeah. deeply held beliefs, mm-hmm. but sometimes their everyday actions don't reflect that. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's like oh, I can't be racist. My best friend is black. It's like, <laughs> can you be a misogynist if you're married to a woman? Like, <laughs> um, yes. So so in Portland, it's like it's like very different. You know, it's a lot of microaggressions. Oh, okay. It's a lot of like, you know, somebody gets in the elevator with you and they and they sort of jump a little bit when oh, they see you in there. A little step back, mm-hmm. eyes get wider. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, I went into like a, uh, you know, I like I like my fresh squeezed juice. You know, when I go to the gym, I come out of the gym and I and I and I go get a fresh squeezed juice. Same place every day. One day I walked in and there was a line, and the and the woman at the front desk like holds up a bag and goes, Postmates. And I was like, no, I don't work for Postmates. Oh, my. She thought you were delivering. She thought I was like delivering stuff. So, you know, you go and tell somebody that and you're like, they're like, oh, that's not racism. You know, you were probably dressed pretty bummy. No. But I'm like, it's it's a thousand, a thousand tiny cuts. It's death by a thousand tiny cuts. And um, Uh, they saw the one black guy on the line. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. As soon as you walked in, they were like, you got to work for Postmates. You know, so (laughs) I'm like, next thing I know, somebody's going to jump in my car. Like, an Uber. <laughs> oh, I, I have that happen to me. Did you really? Oh, absolutely. I, I pulled up in front of a, a place that I, I, I work at and yeah. one of the interns jumped in. Yeah. I <laughs> gave me like, uh, hi. <laughs> you know, you really shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, you know, you know, most of it is is not is not overt. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it I don't think is ill intended. Oh, it's not ill intended. It's just um, it's this unawareness that yeah. you have that. Right. I look uh, I get mistaken for Pakistani all the time, yeah, you know, yeah. and so I'm sure when I pulled up in my little uh, silver Chevy, I yeah. looked just like uh, 100 other Uber drivers. Yeah, right. Sure, sure. And so it's this idea that, oh, I, I, this is what I was waiting for. This is what I was expecting. This is yeah. what I do every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just ingrained. Yeah, completely. Yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, it's unconscious bias, mm-hmm. which I, I don't think that it couldn't. It, it would be impossible for it to not exist in Portland, given how like homogenous it is. It's like uh, I think there's less than seven percent black people, and the ones and the black people that do live there have sort of been pushed out of the city. Mm-hmm. So they live out on the margins, and so within the city, uh, especially sort of being like a middle class, upper middle class dude, most of my friends, I'm the only black guy they know. Oh. My colleagues at my job, there's mm-hmm. over a hundred employees. I am the only black male. Wow, there. 
Um, wow. I'm the only one. I think there are four, three or four black people total, and the other ones are from the UK. Mm-hmm. So just like their lens is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, of course I'm treated weird. You know, of course, like in my yearly review, they say I'm too aggressive and, and you know, just like little language. And it's like, is. Yeah. it's like, it's like inevitable. Are they saying uh, uh, aggressive socially? Are they, is that what they mean? Uh, yeah, just in my interactions with uh, people, you know, okay. they weren't like, talking about like your go get him job. Uh, nah, okay. not, not positive at <laughs> okay. all. Not positive at all. <laughs> right. you know, they accuse me like bombast. Uh, they accuse me of like, I've had language like you bring a dark cloud over the team. Holy like, cow. Like, you know, just like stuff like this. With the, we said it's like, oh shit, we would say that to like a white guy. You know, uh, Aaron got the exact same review, but I'm like through the lens of me yeah, uh, and my like- background and stuff like that. Like, right. you know, it's just, it's just odd language. Yes. And again, you always, people are always like, oh, I got the same review or I get the same thing. Or somebody handed me Postmates when I went to the thing, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't take this personally, but the sum of it you do. Right. And it's it's just the weirdest right. kind of racism for that reason. Right. There was, there's a long period of time and there's a lot of big people that I know that are like, this has been so like, I don't know, editorialized and, yeah. and, um, and reframed yeah. and, and, I feel like I'm crazy because I feel a thing, yeah. but I don't my, have a lot of evidence. My of it. one Uber experience doesn't mean anything <laughs> compared to someone who might have 50 experiences yeah. that year. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's really tough to explain. And like, even right. as I'm talking about it now, I'm like, ah, I don't know. All of this sounds like I'm just being like, like petty. I don't but think so. I right? know it to no. be real. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know it. Yeah. yeah. Did, and, and other people like me know it to be real. So yeah. it's, yeah, it's so weird. You're, um, is your partner your wife? Yeah. You're married? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And and what does she do for a living? What's her name? Uh Heather. Hi Heather. Heather McClellan. Uh daughter's Ruby, son's Ishmael. Oh, lovely names. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Ruby's my grandma's name. Uh, so her name's Ruby Guadalupe. Wow. McClellan. My son is uh, Ishmael Avery. Wh- where did Guadalupe come from? Uh, I don't know. We just... <laughs> Our Lady of Guadalupe? Yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My wife has uh, her sister... Uh, lived in Mexico for a long time. Her husband's Mexican. And oh, wow. Every time we go down there, I don't know, we spend a lot of time in churches. And yeah, that yeah. was just like a... That was just like an icon that really like yeah. stood out to us. And, yeah. So what does she do? She is a, a administrator at Kaiser Permanente. Oh yeah, big hospital system. But mm-hmm. she's you know she's got sixty direct reports. Like oh yeah, you know she's she's very very powerful and ambitious. Mm-hmm. And she basically wants to be Nancy Pelosi. Like <laughs> you know, are <laughs> like icons. The people she admire are like you know these really right. really strong powerful women. And, and she's a strong Has powerful she woman. Has she run at all locally or anything? Board she's, like school board. She's getting close. She's like on our on our community board. Yeah, that's uh, a good place to start. Community school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's on our on, on the old town community board because. Uh, another one of the dark sides of Portland. I feel like I'm ragging on Portland. I love, <laughs> I love Portland, man. I live there for a you reason. Can, you can love and criticize. Yeah, I yeah, can. Yeah. I, it's because I live there and because I love it that I'm so critical and, and of it. And want it to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one of the things is, you know, our neighborhood where we live, is, it's getting a little dusty. You know, there's a massive opioid crisis. Mm. There's also a lot of pass in the buck in America where a lot of uh, homeless people end up in Portland. And specifically, they end up in our neighborhood. Because of services and yeah. all? And there's tons of services and we don't send them somewhere else. That's they call right. It, they call right. it Greyhound, Greyhound Therapy, where they tell people they have a job. And they ship them off. Yeah. yeah. They, ship them, yeah. they ship them to another city. So we end yep. up being the last stop on this, on this sort of bus tour. Uh, so our neighborhood just started getting dusty. We were having a lot of conflicts. 
And rather than us being like victims or moving, my wife got engaged and got on, got on the old town board. And now, you know, she's very proactive about like partnering with businesses in the community. And she's just become very aware of what's going on. And Mm. she's sort of more, more able to influence like our, our little local environment Mm -hmm. and what's going on. I mean, one of the big initiatives she's got right now is, uh, the complex, the apartment complex that we live in, they want to cut down all the trees in our courtyard, 43 trees. And I mean, she came at them like a spider monkey. Like she's like, she's gone crazy. (laughs) Like she's like called the city council. Like she's called like the press. Like, like, like they're like scared of her. Like those trees aren't going anywhere. (laughs) Uh, and, and you know she's from Oregon, so even though she's got this ferocity to her, she uh-huh. does it. She does it in such a nuanced and like sort of quiet way, you know. And 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 it's something that I admire. She gets feedback that she's too aggressive too. So oh well. So we we sort of partner on on, on that. We, right, right. <laughs> we both kind of come home with our reviews. Like what the fuck? Right. You know? <laughs> like what do I have to do? Oh, do you yeah. want me to be nice or effective? We have these conversations all the time. So. Yeah. yeah, I imagine. And is your um, is your, are your mother and grandmother still with you? Or yep, yep. My nice. mom just came to town to Portland just just like last week. And what does she, she think there. of your career and all your path? Ah, she's very proud of me. Oh, you know? nice. She's very proud of me. Again, my mom's like super critical. You know, mm-hmm. like she she came to plays that I was in and was like, "Yo, that wasn't that great." <laughs> I was like, "Mom, <laughs> you know, like that that's not what I need from you." Like. <laughs> She's yep. like, you need to speak louder. I couldn't hear anything you were saying. So, like, really, when I started getting into photography, she was like, yeah, I don't think that's your thing, man. Like, this photo is out of focus, you know? Like, oh, she was actually critical of photographs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She was, like, critical of my photographs. She's like, you know, your their eyes should be, like, crystal clear. And I was like, ma, like, I'm not after the focus. I'm after the moment, you know, whatever. When I was, like, like even for, like, a little kid, when I used to, like, draw She'd be like, man, your shading's all over the place. Where's your light source? Like, oh, um, uh, you know, if this guy was standing dead on, he, he'd be 20 feet wide. You know, this girl's boobs are bigger than her head. Like, what am I mean? Like, <laughs> like, as I was like drawing. She was I'm really like, getting into the yeah, subject matter. I, yeah, I'm yeah. like, mom, I'm eight. <laughs> Get off my back. <laughs> so she's, yeah, right. she's definitely a tiger mom. She's definitely yeah. like, like never, never handheld. Like, like, and I, I think that's part of that drive piece that's that's that that's sort of the part that me. you took away from that right yeah, right yeah, that, completely. that you now balance with a, a little bit of a therapy right <laughs> i gotta i gotta turn that inner critic down a little bit that's right because he's like never satisfied he's like <laughs> it's like go harder man <laughs> and so what kind of um sort of what kind of recognition uh have these has this work gotten the the cowboy work you know I, i've been in a, in a in a few art galleries mm-hmm. uh some in new york I, again, I, w- I haven't really promoted it that hard. Yeah. Uh, I've just like get the body of work and yeah. stay focused. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and so my focus hasn't been so much on... Um, getting it out there. Getting something out there that I view mm-hmm. to be incomplete. It's to like complete the project and make a book. Oh, and at okay. every step along the way, I'm just like, make a book, make a book, make a book. Okay, right now I'm working on an article for ESPN. Oh, nice. Uh, around this bull rider, this, this Navajo bull rider. And even in that, I'm like, get that work for your book. This is just a piece of it that's going to get, you know, promoted on a big publication, but like always have that endpoint in mind so Mm. that you don't get 
get distracted yeah. and start doing weddings again, you know, or, or start tr- trying to shoot model portfolios. Yeah. Or like, let's take this cowboy and put him in Gucci or whatever. Like, it's like, no, that that's not going to go in the book. So don't do that. So yeah, that's my big goal. I don't know. I would love a like like Grant. You know, if anybody out there wants to give me some money, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> just to, just to, you know, give myself a little bit of space to right. like make the work. But I haven't, I haven't pursued anything of the sort. It's, yeah, it's this yeah. really weird place of like, I just like love it. I just I just have a heart for it. Well, that, you know? that's how you started it, right? You started because you wanted it to be yeah. something different. Something yeah, but there's personal, not. I don't have right? a ton of ambitions around it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot. I mean, for a long time, like after I shot that roadie on Okmogi, photos were beautiful, and I just like posted them on my Facebook. Got massive um, positive feedback around it. Yep. But I didn't do anything with them for like years. You know. I didn't even have them like published on the internet. Wow. Uh, I just kind of had them. And from time to time, I would just like open up the folder and just look at them myself and just enjoy them. Yeah. Um, I've got them hung up in my, in my house, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. And I mean, maybe that's just like a selfish approach to the photography. I, oh. no, I think, I don't think you're, you're being selfish. I actually think you're, you're, um, sort of aware of how much, it, where you want to be before you sort of really get out there. Right. Yeah. And show it. And, you were, uh, there's a little bit of this that, you know, you need to keep to yourself until you feel like, you know, you're in a place where uh, you can really publish it or, or push for shows and things like that. Yeah, right? I know. I know that, like, you know, perfection is the enemy of progress. And so it can be. I don't try to be I don't try to be so precious about the work. But yeah. at the same time, I'm extremely patient. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of one of the one of the positive attributes that I have. My wife is the same way. We'll come up with a plan and just like take step by step to it you know our mm. big thing is like did you do anything today did you post an instagram did you you know snap a street photo mm-hmm. did you write a caption if you do one thing today then you're you're progressing towards your goal yeah and and i don't have to make these big leaps or have like massive amounts of success at any given time that's a good plan because uh when you when you think about just completing something that's when all the different things become overwhelming right right, <laughs> right. If, if you're only thinking about the end mm-hmm. it's very overwhelming yeah, yeah, yeah completely yeah. so yeah, yeah can you can you can you stay right now mm-hmm. i also think like now i'm getting more opportunities you know i i i want to be like considered an artist i want to be in museums i want to be in galleries yeah but really my skill set is in branding my skill set is in branding and marketing. And so it's like, you're going to get branding work. I can see you getting, yeah, editorial work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, editorial yeah. work, you know, mm-hmm. stuff for people's blogs, advertising, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, if I can keep that focus of like Black Cowboy's book, then that work will stay consistent and that work will, will, will continue to be like forward projecting toward that. So, I, you know, I'm getting a lot more response from brands than, mm. um, you know, people like heritage brands that sort of work in this space, you know, that are really urgently trying to diversify. Oh, okay. If you go to a lot of these cowboy brands, you know, boot makers, hat makers, uh-huh. every single person on their Instagram is white. Interesting. Every single person is white. And I think they're just now having their eyes popped open to be like, oh, there's there's much more here. Right. Also, maybe it's because I'm myopically focused on it, uh-huh. but I feel like this world of black cowboys is 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 becoming more mainstream. You got like this old town road song. That, I was like, just thinking about that because my kids <laughs> love that song. It's a t- it's an and, amazing song. And it's a, it's almost um 
what is it? It's kind of like barred from being considered country, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because people just can't, they can't reconcile that, right? Right. Because it's such a new thing. Yep. Uh, but it's like, that's a country song. That's like, right. Like through and through. <laughs> it's got all the country tropes. There's yeah. a truck in it. Like there's horses, like all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, that's number one hit in the country. Uh, Solange just, just released like a, a movie music video uh, for her latest album. And it's just tons of black cowboys. And it's this whole thing of reconciling like uh, her background in Houston and uh, part of that are like black cowboys through and through. They're almost just like this. I don't know if I take it back to theater. It's like uh, if you look at like a Greek play, Medea or Agamemnon or one of these things, they would have like a chorus, you Mm. know, who just like sort of like added context and color and flavor to the action that was happening. Uh, These cowboys in that thing are kind of like that chorus. Oh, interesting. They just like propel the story forward from scene to scene. And um, it's some of the most amazing imagery I've ever seen. It made me incredibly jealous when that video (laughs) came out. (laughs) 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 Made me remarkably jealous. <laughs> um, but then, you know, I had to kind of be like, hey, they're just laying a foundation. They're creating a marketplace for bringing everything up for what it is that I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So so as as there's more of a hunger, you know, I work a lot with uh, PBR, professional bull riders, professional bull riders, that professional bull riders. Sounds right. Not Paps Blue Ribbon. I can't right? remember <laughs> if it's professional bull riders or professional bull riding, but whatever. Oh, OK. Um, you know, I have a really good relationship with them and their PR firm and mm. You know, as soon as I came along to them, the next year, their big focus was be cowboy, which is just like everyone's a cowboy. And they really partnered with me to elevate um, a lot of their cowboys of color. This is what this ESPN article came from. They have Navajo writers. They have a few black writers. And they're just like, how anything you want to do to tell their story Mm -hmm. and make that more more mainstream is good for our brand. right? Right. And I'm sure that's an extension of a lot of things. But, you know, we'll just say that like elevating the diversity within PBR is much needed. Mm. If you go to their events, it's so there's just kind of one audience and one message. Oh, okay. And so for them to spread that, expand it, focus on diversity, it's a very like now moment. It's a very needed moment. There's an urgency to it. I think some of it is not only like benevolent, but I think a lot of it is about survival. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the main image on your uh, website, the big image on your website when you pop up is is a um, uh, Miss Black Arizona USA, <laughs> yeah. right? W- was that at a rodeo? Was that at yeah. a... Yeah, that was at the Arizona Black Rodeo, which after, you know, after I shot the o- Okmulgee Rodeo, I didn't really realize that was a body of work, so I didn't go to any rodeos for uh-huh. years. And then it just kept like haunting me. It just kept looking me in the face and being like, dude, these are the best photos you've ever taken. Ah. Like get back into that. So I ended up at this Arizona black rodeo again with Charles Perry. They brought me back into it. <laughs> like this dude, this dude is like, he's my biggest fan. He's probably my best friend. Like nice. dude, like has just propelled me forward so often. And he's really, he's been struggling to make his film for this entire four years oh, as well. Wow. Cause he's got to be self-funded. He's got to fly around. Anyway, he, he invited, Where does he live? He lives in Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's yeah. based out of Portland. Yeah. I haven't been his best friend, but he's been mine for oh, sure. All right. And so <laughs> and so he invited me down to this Arizona Black Rodeo. And again, like this time it was a little bit more familiar. I was more relaxed and um I don't know. That that photo just happened when I was leaving, you know. Oh, okay. I've been shooting at the rodeo all day and then I just I just like met her. Was and, there a competition there, or she was there already crowned. Yeah, Miss she Arizona. was already crowned. She oh, was just, okay, she was just okay. there walking around. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, I just yeah, saw yeah, her yeah. in the parking lot. Oh, 
and she had on her crown and uh because this is a big event and that's where you would go it's a big event yeah you know, she's 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 uh, uh miss black arizona she was like, representing uh yeah of course she's yeah, gonna yeah. be there you know yeah. like part of part of the rodeo is not only like there's an event right and there is um there's guys racing around like doing mm-hmm. relay races and there's guys rowing, there's guys and, and, and women like doing uh barrel racing and, yeah. and all of these events flag bearing. Like the other part of it is like what happens around, around that rodeo pin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is just like, people like stunting like you see like crazy like boots everybody's <laughs> dressed up like is this real like communal gathering right um i was just looking at the the, the image of the the gentleman with the richard Pryor faces all yeah, over his exactly. shirt <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so these people are just on the campgrounds and you know yeah. they're talking to each other to the point of like and i think it's this way with like a, a mexican arapayo which is another another other events that i really love to go to they um what happens around the rodeo is more important than what happens in the rodeo mm. people go and sit and watch the rodeo and most of them have no clue what's going on oh. there's there's really no like at a black rodeo there's really no crowning of the winner oh okay. and the winner oftentimes makes very little money mm-hmm. you know they might walk away with like twelve hundred dollars for like risking their life and traveling across the country with all of their gear right uh, a lot of times like matadors or are, are, are i guess you would call them like rodeo clowns uh they'll make like 500 bucks for the weekend they don't they, they're, they're it is not a money play it's a passion play mm. and um that you know that goes not only for the competitors but but also for the audience so yeah um yeah she was there just like representing her crown mm-hmm. uh she was there with her friends that photo specifically was not the photo that she wanted i never tagged her in it oh okay because it was a moment before the photo that she wanted she the next wanted. one i got is very posed and right, smiley right, of course but just that one she was throwing her hair back over her shoulders yeah. and i was like that's yeah. That's the one, you know, shoot before the shot. I yeah. think that the photo you you chose, I mean, that's like full of confidence yeah. and strength and <laughs> she power. Lo- she looks like an actual queen. Yeah, she does. You know? Yeah, she's, she looks like she's about to review her people or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should tag her in it. I don't know. I'll do that right away. <laughs> so uh, uh, you were saying before, what do you have? Um, what do you have going on the rest of today? Rest of today? Um, well, I got some friends. That that drove up to see me. They're probably waiting outside right now. Okay. Yeah, they're in a band, um, Black Grapefruit, and they they I I used to work with them like back in the day. I've I've traveled around with them, shooting just like photography so that they could have promotional material. So oh. so they're here to hang out. I'm gonna go go spend some time with them, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna go sh- probably immediately after this and stop by PRI, big PR firm, uh, to meet with the the guy that runs all the PBR stuff. Oh, okay. yeah. Me and him have developed a pretty good relationship, but, but mostly over email. So I want to get some face to face time with him and, uh, try to shake him down for some money. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the biggest thing. How about a little work? Yeah. Right? Like, Hey, I'm working hard for you. You need to give me some, you need to put some butter on my bread, buddy. <laughs> that's my big that's my big goal for the day. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, just sort of enjoying the city. I leave immediately from here. I was going to ask, yeah, do you head back to Portland tonight? No, or? no, oh, no. Oh. on the company's dime, uh, you know, since I'm like daisy chained, since I'm like chaining these trips together, I'm oh, going directly okay. to um, Bismarck, North Dakota. 
so the company like flies me out here right. and I'm like, I don't want to go back to Portland, send me to North Dakota. You right? work your and, way back. Yeah. yeah. And then I only have to pay for like a one way ticket. Stuff's expensive. And, and, right. and, and my wife gets frustrated, man. Cause uh. she, she believes she's a believer. Yeah. I mean, she is, she's a day one, like committed fan, but she's also like a Taurus and like kind of needs like financial grounding. And yeah. then, I don't <laughs> even know how much money I've spent on this. I've spent well <laughs> over $20,000 and got like zero money back, like right. none. So, you know, like le- like I, when I left town, I got like $470 worth of rentals. And I'm like, oh, it's got to be medium format. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so she won't let me buy a camera. But so, so I like rent, uh, travel, all mm-hmm. of this stuff. What are you shooting, by the way? Uh, I shoot on a, a Fuji GFX. Oh, yeah. Which which I really enjoy, but can't yeah. afford. My daily camera is a, is a Fuji X-E1 with the with the zeiss 32 millimeter mm-hmm. and i've been using that forever since that camera body came out which is, was years ago is it like a six seven format that uh, your your images they're not quite some of the the medium format ones are like three four oh yeah and then uh the ones that i take with my fuji or whatever standard right. standard format it's yeah. got a crop sensor on it so it's nothing it's nothing special but mm-hmm. um but I, you know that that little Fuji XE one. God, I hate it. It is it is it is a nightmare. It's extremely <laughs> inaccurate. It's 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 very slow. It's the exact wrong camera to use to shoot a rodeo. Right. The recycle time is stupid. Um, <laughs> but I've been using it so long that it's really taught me how to like anticipate, mm. see what's coming, mm. and 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 be able to capture it because you, ra- get, you ready get one some, shot. I think you're ready for some full frame. Yeah. <laughs> I've used full frame cameras. Like yeah. when I was using, when I was shooting weddings, I was like on a Canon 5D. Oh yeah. I just like, it performs well. I just mm-hmm. didn't like the photos. Oh, interesting. I didn't feel like they looked like special. Oh. And I would like tweak the shit out of it in, you know, uh, camera raw. And I just couldn't get it to where I wanted it to be. That's interesting. Uh, the the is, look on my photos is, I think it looks over-processed, but I don't care. You ha- there's a, there's a, a little bit of a washed out color film look to yeah. your photos, yeah. right? Like a, um, almost like a high speed color film look. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've been, which, which is great, which yeah. I've been grinding on for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like cinematic. I wanted it to be like turquoise and orange. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted it to be kind of sharp, but not really like, uh, I wanted it to have a grain. I will shoot with like ridiculously high ISOs on purpose. Oh, okay. Um, so I really, jack my photos up on purpose sometimes you don't need full frame yeah (laughs) so yeah most of it is like post i really view like editing post on digital to be like my lightroom Mm -hmm. you know like my lightroom experience the film processing experience so i started using this medium format camera and it's kind of ridiculous because i take these like photos you could put on a billboard and yeah. put them to this process <laughs> to fuck them up and right. like <laughs> tone them back down to your little xe1 yeah but my vision is like without watermarking or attributing my photos in any way yeah can somebody look at one of my photos and know know what it is no right know that it's mine Right. No, yeah, yeah. 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 I want. I want for right, right. people to look. I want them to have a signature, and that signature to be the very appearance of the photo. Yeah. And so I'm continuing to evolve, evolve toward that. Um. I'll. You know. I'll sure. Never, I'll never get there, but you know that was sort of my sort of my thinking. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to Bismarck, North Dakota next, and uh, shooting a rodeo there. Oh, you are. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so you get to mix a little of your work and uh, the other work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Like right now, I'm wearing a suit. 
Yeah. And I got into nice boots. I got on a, You're not a going whole, to the rodeo in your suit. Nah. <laughs> so I like pack this. And then as soon as I like get off the plane, I'm going to put on uh, my duds. I'm going to put on my jeans and my big belt and my, <laughs> and my Western shirt. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Go front like I belong there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> they figure it out as soon as I talk because I say all the wrong stuff. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I got in trouble at the, ro- at the last rodeo because I said... Uh, I said to one of the cowboys, I said, you know, something about going out on one of his runs. It was like, on your, on your first run, uh, you fell off, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, it's an out. Oh. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, man. I was like, oh, I sure don't. Look at my nails. <laughs> right. Shake my hand. They're, they're so soft, you can almost see through them. It's like a dragonfly's wing. I've never held onto a rope in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. They call them outs. Yeah, they call them outs, not runs. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm learning the lingo. I don't know. Yeah, well, just like soccer, right? You'll pick it all up. I yeah. think it's, um, I think it, you know, I, that I don't pretend to be something I'm not. Like I, I wear, no. I wear a Western shirt. I wear a belt and I wear jeans because that's just like the dress code. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, we don't want you on camera in like a tracksuit, right? Because uh, <laughs> a lot of times I'm up on the shoots and they're like, you know, look, look like look you belong like there. Right, right, right. Look like you're working there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. I don't wear a cowboy hat. I wear, yeah. I wear my Royals hat. Yeah. When I show up and. Um, you know, still dress like myself and never present myself like something I'm not. I don't use like a big Southern accent or, or, you know, chew tobacco. That's right. <laughs> Spitting tobacco while you're talking. Yeah, so like, look guys, I'm not, I'm not you. I'm, I'm right. nothing like you, but I'm curious mm-hmm. and I respect you. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, and it, like the work is, is very respectful. The work is very honor, honoring like them. Yeah. And I try not to ever be like, Oh, look at these weird people, mm-hmm. you know, even with my street photography, I, I never try to go into a space of, you know, people as spectacle. You're not looking for awkward moments and no. things like that. Right. And right. if I get them, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I never publish them. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Cause I'm just like, present people as heroic. I always shoot low and, mm. and up almost like, you know, like old South Soviet propaganda yeah, yeah. of like, make the person look tall, make them look grand, make them mm-hmm. look majestic and heroic. Because that's how I would want to look. And um, interesting. Just yeah. sort of honoring that while also being, you know, honest. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and your style and everything else. Yeah. 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 That's great. Well, thank you for uh, coming in. Oh. Uh, I'm glad we got to work this out. You know, yeah. uh, one of the things that, you know, I, I after... Um, after I found you through Everyday Rural yeah. and Rory Doyle and Nicole yeah. Crane, yeah. I, uh, I I reached out to you and said, if you're ever in town, let me know. And <laughs> like a few weeks later, here you are. Yeah, so that's great. Quick. I'm like, I'm always in town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate this, man. Like, thanks for letting me ramble about, about my photography and background and stuff. Oh, this was uh, fantastic. Thank uh, you very much. Oh, yeah. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>